Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dan from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Barbecue Forte. Hello. And we are brought to you by Pro-Q, Barbecue Gourmet, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. And Pro-Q is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Pro-Q Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker or looking to upgrade or even looking to pick up some epic accessories, check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with the top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. And you can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. Yippee! So on today's episode, we are with the winner of the King of the Grill of Grillstock, and we have Priscilla, Queen of the Fire Pit. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Is it afternoon? Is it morning? Is it night? I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I've had a little sleep <laughs> the last few days. Well, it's Monday morning, or oh, Monday afternoon now, actually. Yeah, you've confused, <laughs> confused me now. Me now. And uh, yesterday was grill stock. So uh, the, the results and the final categories are yesterday, and now we are here with, with the winner. How's it feel? Uh, apparently so. You are with the winner. Um, uh, it, it's sinking in there. A little bit shell-shocked. Um, <clears throat> I really didn't go in uh, to this weekend expecting to win at all. It's quite, uh, it's quite challenging. Doing the Priscilla thing, uh, we we go there really to have a lot of fun to raise the money for the charity, which we did really well. Um, at the point of the award ceremony yesterday, we we knew we'd raised quite a lot of cash. Obviously, the tattoo on my backside has um, increased that massively, so I've got that. I've got that to look forward to. But <laughs> we went we went to the award ceremony quite happy and content. I, I knew a couple of the categories. Good. I knew one of them. I knew my ribs were absolutely banging. Um, I was pretty confident when the box went in that they would be winners. I'm quite a good rib cook, um, but I didn't think overall, overall four categories that uh, we'd quite be there. I expected top five, um, but yeah, when Borgazor came through, you had Doctor Evil pull the second, then the brisket. Uh, I didn't get a call in the brisket, and uh, Dr. Evil got the second again. Uh, so I was stood with Toby, and uh, Toby and I were looking at each other and going, ooh, interesting, could this be Dr. Evil? Mm. <clears throat> uh, and then uh, he, did, he didn't get the call in the chicken, I got the third, and uh, we're looking at it thinking it's possibly on. I'm starting to think maybe it's possible, because those ribs could, could have scored quite highly. Um Ray made a comment when I was on stage uh, when I was picking up the Ribs Award about, about the cane and um, expecting to get more awards. And I thought, I think I've, I've done I've done one of them. It's either RGC or GC then. Uh, and they called Gary, um, the Dr. Evil, for RGC. Everyone was trying to push me up the steps so I'd be ready to go and get the GC. And I was going, no, 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 no. Sure, I've cocked something up. It'll, it'll be, it'll be Toby, British Bulldog will have won it. I'll be third. Now I'm not going up there until they, until they say it. I'm not jinxing it. In fact, I'm not going up there until they say it twice. <laughs> um, and then yeah, uh, I'm glad I was wearing sunglasses because I think there was a, there was a little tear in the eye actually. Um, it's quite, it's quite emotional. Um, 
Yeah, what an honour amongst such a, a great, a, what a great competition amongst some awesome teams. And but you really deserved it. A lot of people, I know, I think you were probably the only person that hadn't called it. Everyone on sort of social media and everything was all firing out Priscilla's one, Priscilla's one. It's got to be Priscilla. So I think, yeah, uh, well deserved. Absolutely well, cracking. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, I have been inundated um, afterwards at the festival. I mean, we were we couldn't um, get vans on site till 10.30. We were literally thinking, God, this is going to be hell. I was planning to go, go back to the hotel, have a shower and everything. Because uh, you, you're so tired after that period of time that you're thinking, you know what, I, I don't want to sit on site. I've done. I've broken down my pitch. It's all stacked. I don't really want to sit there. Cause normally, it's only till 6 o'clock. Yeah. It has been in the past. <clears throat> um, the, the time just, just flew. It was, um, uh, someone was bringing a van on before I even, I knew it was happening. Just so many people wanted to come and talk to me. Um, my social media has been insane today. I leave it for five minutes and I've got 30 Facebook notifications, um, several Twitter, Instagram. I've even got, um, Guy who created the bacon explosion, one of the barbecue addicts guys, started following me on Twitter today. That uh, you can tell you're a, you can tell you're a barbecue geek when um, guy who <laughs> creates the bacon explosion follows you, and you're like, yes, I've arrived. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, it, it's been I'm not. I've never been very good at uh, taking compliments. Um, you might might surprise you, but I'm actually quite shy. So. Um, so getting people saying all these nice things uh, and me not being, I've never been able to take a compliment, not being self-deprecating and um, making jokes about myself and stuff when they when they do say these nice things is, um, yes, it's nice though, you know. Bro, when, when you were giving your, when you give your ribs out to the public, uh, I was sort of stood by, by Deeks. I just, uh, with Deeks and Danny, I just tried one of theirs and, and theirs, theirs was fantastic as well. Really, really loved it. And I was looking across and, I saw your ribs and they looked fantastic. And then I saw the crowd there and you like handed them out and it was like a, a we all know, like the, uh, the sort of seagull effect, everyone <laughs> sort of attacking each other to get one and just watching their faces as they tucked in. I knew they were, they were pretty special. So, uh, so yeah, that's wicked. And, and also another, another really good compliment walking around is the amount of people using your, your rubs and sauces. So not only did you win, but actually a lot of your competitors are actually, uh, using the rubs that you've crafted and the, the sources that you, you put out as well. It's got to be a, a massive sort of honour as well. Oh, I've, I've loved it. And not just in, not just in the um, competition crowds, you know, just the, the general um, barbecue community uh, in the UK wider who uh, picks up, particularly Gorilla Powder. You know, people, people have got nuts for it. Uh, the sources have been a bit more of a, a slower burner to get going because... They're not cheap. Um, they're not cheap because it's it's quite difficult to make sauces in a uh, in a small batch. The micro batch manufactured for me by um, a company um, just outside uh, Bath. Uh, a very very uh, good sauce making company, but obviously um, the handmade uh, in batches of two three hundred bottles at a time. Um, it means that I'm, I'm literally the sauces. I make virtually nothing on them. They're out there. As, Let's be honest. It's a vanity project, you know. That's what the whole the whole whole rub and sauce thing was. I mean, the way it started was, I'm a I'm a northerner at heart, and I was too tight to keep ordering things from the Kansas City barbecue store. 
And when I started out doing this, it was before you had like barbecue gourmet. Um, so with a ready supply of the American stuff, you literally had to order it from the States yourself and the, the shipping prohibitively expensive. And we used to go out to do the American Royal every year um, with Toby uh, from the British Barbecue Society. We used to go out with one suitcase and come back with two, just literally filled with rubs <laughs> to try and get, get through a year um, or as much of a year as you could. Uh, and it was, um, it was actually John Hargate from Barbecue Shack who uh, got a credit with what got me started um, in making the rubs. He gave me a theory, and that theory is 30% sugars, mixed different types of sugars, 30% salts, and when he says salt, he means garlic salt, celery salt, onion salt, so it's not actually 30% actual sodium. Um, and then 20% paprika, 10% flavorings. He said, build all your rubs doing that. Um, I started doing that. Uh, he, he advised me of um, it was a Schwartz product um, that they don't make anymore. It was a chili con carne seasoning. He said, buy some of this, run it through a coffee grinder, add that as one of your um, one of your flavour seasonings. And it was amazing. Then they stopped making it, so I had to sort of like replicate something similar uh, to try and get the balance of ingredients in my own. What was my pork rub? Um, uh, we literally just called pork rub at this point in time. And um, yeah, it, it just got it got better when I took out the pre-made things and I, I stopped using celery salt and started uh, an onion salt and garlic salt and used uh, garlic uh, powder, onion powder, and just tweaked the salt levels and stuff myself manually. Uh, it just just got better and better. And then a couple of people tried it and asked me if I'd make them a kilo uh, so they could use in competitions. And then the next thing I know, I'm making. I'm making 10, 15 kilo batches so that I can share it with, uh, with people. And I mean, you know what? I'll see if I can find someone who'll make it. And that, I mean, that's a nightmare when you're a small, a small guy. Yeah, I um, but I found a found a place. They they'll do it in 30 kilogram batches. So they'll bag it in little 200 gram bags, which I just manually stuff into the tins myself. The whole packaging is done because it's it's doable for me. I mean, I'm at a size now where. I, could probably fully outsource that and change the packaging, but the tins seem to be quite popular at the moment. I love the tins. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, I always keep the tins afterwards. Yeah, well, after so I've used them, yeah, keep the tins and then and then chuck some other stuff in there as well. <laughs> so I've actually got like that. I've lost what I've actually got because I've got like a million like different gorilla tins that have got different <laughs> different rubbish in them from that I've made myself as well. So I don't even know which yeah. one's which. But <laughs> no, so the, the tins the tins worked. You know, they were and. They're yeah, cost effective. The whole point was trying to make it as well so that I make a little bit of cash out of it. It's pocket money. It's not there to replace my, my living. Well, barbecue is um, an expensive hobby, so any anything that you can get helps a lot. Yeah, so um, that and, and everything everything's come from me. Like All the artworks, my designs, and um, I mean, it, it, Charlie from Smoking Penguins, who... Obviously, he's got a, a company, Gander Media, that do a lot of the banners for the teams and that. Um, he does he does a lot of printing for me, helps me with a bit of input when my design work is, is not quite right because I'm, I'm not expert in that area. But it is it is really it's a vanity project, nice little um, tax write off for um, for the profit that comes in there. You know, I can use that profit to pay for going to or part of going to Grillstock because. It's, <laughs> Excuse me, it's a promotional thing for the 
to the business as much as the uh, the charity work. Um, so it has made competing a bit more economical for me. But it's it's some of the some of the comments you get, some of the compliments, and and in person when at grill store you get someone coming up to you saying, oh, "I use your gorilla powder. It effing goes on everything. It's effing amazing. You're really pissed." No, so <laughs> the language is I'm trying to be I'm trying to be good here in my language I appreciate that very much you do very well (laughs) terrible but um, uh, yeah so you get when they've had a few drinks um, you get a little bit of the passion that they've got for the product and that I've never known anything like that I've never created a product before and it's I I wouldn't care if I didn't make a penny out of it it's sometimes just it's just nice to be told that yeah I love I love having your stuff in my kitchen. Well, you're going to get told by us as well because we both absolutely love them. And I wasn't even aware about the sauces until uh, the other week. And then I saw uh, Cy actually, Cy from Cider Pig, uh, he had your sauces and I I got to try some actually. And uh, it was absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Loved it. When the two are mixed, they're designed to be mixed together. Um, Yeah, I think that's what what he did, I believe. Yeah, it works works really well. I mean, basically, one of them is an alternative to, to Blue Hog. Because uh, everyone who does competition knows Blue Hog's ubiquitous. Um, but it's, it's, for us all here, I mean, even you're buying it from um, from Barbecue Gourmet, it's not a cheap product because it, it's not cheap in the States. Obviously, Richard's got to bring it over here. Um, so, he's, he's got to make it, he's got to make his uh, money out of it as well. So, it becomes, it's a premium product. So, I, is doing something that obviously, basically, for me in the first instance, when I mean, when I'm not when I'm not bottling it, when I make it in my own kitchen, it's much more cost effective. It's always it's always the packaging that kills you when you're a, a small guy. So yeah. you, you pay a lot for it. You pay a lot for. Uh, I don't I, the, the labour. I mean, the reason I outsource the sources, uh, I wouldn't. I'd never make the rubs myself because literally have to have them in two to three hundred kilo. Um, batteries made now and no chance would I ever bother doing that myself <laughs> because the, the machinery my, my factory that I use um, they make stuff for uh, supermarket home brands and stuff that can make me a ton at a time if I want it Yeah. so yeah it makes a lot of sense the sources I'd love to make them myself um, I really would um, and I may I'm, I may explore that uh, unfortunately the moment where I live my kitchen is it's not suitable for. It's not the right size, um, really, to have. I'd need. I'd need at the very least some boiling rings out, some like uh, induction rings, or preferably a big double boiler. Um, but I'm moving, moving down to Brighton. Uh, I'm hoping um, the house prices down there are a lot more reasonable than where I live, so I can get. Hoping I can get somewhere where maybe I can put a development kitchen in. Awesome. Um, an extension on the side. Shall allow me a little commercial kitchen that I can play in. Um, maybe pick up a second hand double boiler for making sauces and move into doing it, doing it myself. Because you know it's it's half a day's work to make a big batch. I can, I can then I can bottle it. I can make it more cost effective because I can get the sauces again. I'm not bothered about making a massive profit on it. I can get them out to more people and people enjoying them. You know that's. I get, I make enough money out of what I do during the day, but I, I don't get the same satisfaction as I get when I see people cooking stuff with my products. And when I see 
I mean, uh, Team Smoking Penguin got uh, RGC at May MMA. Beat me. Um, oh, I wasn't too happy about that, obviously. <laughs> but um, he used my sources, you know, and, and that's his best ever result, using my sources. Obviously, he uses his own rubs. Um, but using my sources, I think we did May MMA. Top five teams, you had a bunch of swines, uh, please hog advocates massively. Uh, then you had uh, Smoking Penguin second, using my sources. Me third, using my sources. McSlim's fourth, using Bruce Hog. And then Hammer and Tongs fifth, using mine. So three out of the top five. Uh, in a, a strong field. Not as big as Grill Stock, but a very experienced field. Yeah, well, all, those, all those teams you named are all major teams. And speaks volumes to the product. Speaks absolute volumes to the product. So congratulations, bro. Sounds like you're... you're oh. I tasted it and I know that I loved it, but sounds like the uh, the judges and stuff are all agreeing as well, and and that that speaks volumes. Yeah, and that again, it's always a. I mean, not just on the sources and everything. When when the judges score things well, and when you get you hear the compliments, and you you hear when they talk about the standard of of the field is broadly being very good. Um, and a lot of people might think if they're listening to this now, I think well. They're not going to say you're all rubbish, are they? Um, well, actually, you've been doing this a long time. Uh, I remember a competition in 2010 where Jackie Wade turned around and said, it was all shite. Those are exact words. Rubbish. Total rubbish. Ten teams competing. I mean, you imagine the anger in these, these guys who competed overnight. When, uh, who the hell is she to be saying that? She shouldn't be insulting. The thing is, it's honesty. The honesty was there. Um, the other judges, the ones who've got the, the backbone to actually say that, heard that said before. And then sort of like last year at Bristol, I was chatting to Jackie because I've known her for 10 years. Uh, and she's saying, yeah, the standard standard excellent across the board. She shows how far along we've come in the UK. Um, you can see our, our British teams that go out to Europe and compete in the KCBS circuit. It's changing now because the European teams are catching us up, which is, is brilliant. We saw that British dominance. Um, couple of British teams winning virtually everything. For yeah, Miss, I mean, a bunch of swines and Miss Piggies are doing absolutely phenomenal in in the sort of KCBS scene and stuff like that. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant to see. Like this year already, they've both brought in GCs across Europe well, and and it's and US. Up now. It's, evening up. it's evening up now, though, and that that's good. I mean. You've got to have a lot of respect for people like Ed Nemmer, Bunch of Swines. I mean, they approach barbecue competition very, very differently to me, for instance. Um, I mean, the very Ed is a very serious competitor. Emma is an absolute perfect string to his bow. You know, she, uh, obviously, they're partners in life. They work really well together. Um, Ed, I mean, the standard format for a competition is not grill stock. Is, you know, you cook overnight on the Saturday, you turn in on the Sunday. Um, there's a kind of a way we kind of all operate is we get together on a Friday night because we're all really good friends. We get absolutely blotto. Get over your hangover by about lunchtime. And then we have a drink on the Saturday, but you see there's a marked difference, you know. And you see Ed go into competition mode and he's, he's very, very focused. Um, I mean, I'm told I get into the zone and I'm focused. I mean, I, I, I don't spend the the same time and effort um, sort of in the, in the practice and everything. I um, I used to be really serious about it. Like, I really wanted to be very, very good and be the best. And then I worked out that actually, for me, 
what works for me is is having more fun, and this is why. I mean, the, the, obviously, there's a lot more with the Priscilla thing, but um, doing that at Girlstock, I accept. Oh, I just want, but um, I accept that makes it a lot harder for me to win. But I get a, a different thing out of it, and maybe maybe that'll change, and maybe I'll at some point I'll go. You know what? I want to um, I want to do what Ed and Emma are doing. Um, not something that works for me. People like Charlie's more like me. We we go we go for fun, and if if you don't win, you don't win. Don't be wrong. I'm a, I am competitive. I do like beating bunch of swines because they uh, them and British Bulldog the, the teams to beat. You know, yeah. um, in in my mind, um, I can't. I mean, Miss Piggies haven't competed in the UK for a long time, so it's difficult. I've not been on the same the same field as them. But when I look at the for me. I look at guys who competed in the UK, done girl stock, and done IBQN, and then I look at what they've done in the states. A bunch of swines, superb at the Royal, you know, for several years now. They they've moved up and they're they're, they're kicking American ass. You know, it's very very difficult when you go out and compete in the US because things are so different and you don't have your own gear there. It pushes you that little bit out of your comfort zone. And you're not American, which automatically marks you down as well. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that because the judging is absolutely fair and unbiased and <laughs> can never be corrupted in any way. Now, what it is, is you do a big con- The thing is, our British teams go and they do the big contests. So they do that at the Royal. The Royal's a crapshoot, um, particularly the Auckland. You know, you've got 500 teams there, so many tables of judges. We saw it at Waltham Store with Grillstock last year with on a much smaller scale. A lot of new judges, a lot of inexperienced guys and girls doing the judging. And it's no fault of their own, but they've done a, a two hour course with KCBS. They've eaten barbecue in the UK, but you'll know you eat a lot of barbecue. There's a lot of bad barbecue around. So people mm-hmm. they don't have they don't have the experience. I spent ages talking to some of the guys who've not been competing as long as I have about their KCBS comment cards. People are genuinely furious about it because um, we're all we're all self-critical. Not many of us will turn something in and go, "It was amazing," uh, when it was absolute rubbish. And I, I saw saw some shockingly bad out of kilter scores. But people, obviously, let's take um, ribs as an example. We know in competition terms, you want a rib that's got to bite through. It's got to have a little bit of resistance. It's got to hold to the bone. But you still want it to be soft. You don't want it to be dry. You want it to be juicy. And you want it to give, you a, give your belly a smile. But a lot of people prefer ribs that just suck straight off the bone. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you're used to and that's your preference, and you've got to judge for the first time, something that's a little bit more resistant, you go, there. it's a bit underdone. It's a bit bit tough, bit tougher than I like. And even if you've been told it shouldn't be like that, it should be a bit more resistant. Still, you're in the mindset of what you like, and it's 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 a huge thing to satisfy the judges and balance it out. With it's not always what what you need, what the judges should be doing in terms of how they judge the criteria they judge on. Not necessarily 100% in line with their. Um, personal preferences and that's a tough thing for judges I'm not criticising them here because it, I like I like my ribs to fall off the bone to be honest I, I second that, that. <laughs> um, I, I, I like just grabbing it taking a bite and then it slaps onto my face yeah. I mean, the only thing I don't like I don't like when the chicken skin does that that's a bit I mean if yeah. you 
if you if you'd seen the judges at Rostock Manchester last year when they had to do the chicken first thing in the morning after let's call it a slightly heavy night. <laughs> I remember stood there. I mean, I, I was in a really bad place in Rostock Manchester last year. I was really uh, down, uh, not feeling very well in myself. Uh, in the mornings, I was really struggling and quite unhappy and quite sad. Uh, cheered me up no end watching Andy Williams with a slap of chicken skin on his chin that had come off of his bayonet and he had to wait nearly a minute before he could move it because he just knew that if he tried to pull it out he was just going to throw it straight over the stage (laughs) he was sad and there was just terror terror in his eyes maybe it's the sadistic side of me I don't know I just couldn't help but I'd be cheered up a little bit like that tomorrow I've had my life with me (laughs) <laughs> I'm not about to throw up with chicken skin hanging out of me, mate. <laughs> well, I'm glad at least something would say uh, going to cheer you up yeah. there, mate. And I'm glad I to see, see that you are uh, a lot happier in yourself now and in a, in a much better place. We've seen uh, some awesome sort of uh, comments from you recently just saying about how how happy you are and how... Uh, and then you've now just uh, smashed Grand Champion as well. So that's got to be another, another happy point. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, honestly, it was the icing on the cake for the weekend. It was a fantastic weekend. Um, met a lot of people. You know, you meet, you know this, you meet a lot of people on the internet these days. You've never actually, um, you never actually met. Um, and to actually properly put a physical face to the name, um, you know, and some people, sometimes you don't get them properly on the internet as well. I'm not going to name the guy, but there's a guy who um, I see on some of the forums who, I thought, he seems all right, but he might be a bit of a douchebag. Um, came and talked to me. I, lovely. Absolutely lovely bloke. Really, really sad. Oh, I'm glad um, you feel that way about me. <laughs> I, met, I met you before. I already, I already knew you were a total douchebag. You know, <laughs> uh, meeting, meeting Kelly as well, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm totally enamored by Kelly's kebab. Um, yeah. And I've got a, I've got a little bit of a crush on Kelly as well, so I think she had to bring her in. Let's bring her husband to keep her safe. Be nice. It's lovely to me. And, and the voice, you know. I mean, I, I knew she was a northern girl from, uh, from just up the road from where I grew up. Um, but obviously, with her living in Scotland, uh, I, um, you know, the voice is not necessarily what you're expecting. Um, you know, and it's, it's just kind of cool. It just humanizes people more. And there's a yeah, lot massively. of people who are really good friends. Really they've become really good friends. I mean, you look at a couple of the guys, um, Stuart and Mel, who came down together. I mean, they're uh, just as, as as visitors. They've become mates just through barbecue, just just on the um, on the forums, and it really it mirrors. I'm getting this is all getting a bit touchy feely, I know, but it, it mirrors what we've got in the competition. Seeing that um, you know some of my best friends, I've known them only for five or six years through barbecue. Charlie's like like my brother. Um, yeah. you know, when I I I was in pretty bad I mean I I right, let's be totally honest, I um, I went to kill myself last year and it was um it was barbecue people who stopped that and turned that around. And that that's all come through the camaraderie, the friendship and the fact that people just really look after each other. Yeah. And I see that not just in the competition side seeing it in the, the wider community as well. You know, um, Mel, for instance, um, announced on Facebook that he's, he's unfortunately quite ill. 
the outpouring of love that he got and people wanting to do things for him. Yeah. It's, I mean, as, as Brits, we should probably be a bit cynical about that. And go, oh, it's a bit American, isn't it? But, um, you know, it, it's nice. It's heartwarming. It restores you. Oh, massively. It restores your faith in human nature. Massively. And it, it really is like a... It, it does feel like a big barbecue family. And, and like you said, I mean, it was amazing actually getting to meet some of these people and, and you feel like you already are like... I mean, like you said about about Mel and, and Stuart, I mean, you would have thought they had known each other for 25 years this weekend, walking around, spending the whole uh, whole weekend together and stuff. It's, it is an awesome thing. First time they've met. Yeah. First time they've met in person. And that, that's, that's really cool. I'm always really, I'm always really torn with the cliche barbecue family, you know, because I, I kind of, it is a bit cliche. Yep. People throw it around a lot. But, then, then you, you see it in action, you know, I mean, um, oh, uh, Chris, Chris from Bullet Brothers Barbecue. And um, so I, I, you know, the first year I was at Grill Store when I did his Jedi Swine Tricks, you know, then you, you kind of stick with the people you know. I'd had a, a few brief conversations with them, just friendly, like. Um, then, as I sort of like, um, I mean, I know everyone thinks I kind of like stormed out of the closet with a bottle of bully in one arm and a perfectly cooked rib in the, rib in the other, but... It was kind of more of a fell out of it, really desperately trying not to let people see who I was. Yeah. The support from Chris, Chris, he'd spoken to me twice. And then suddenly it's like, there's like a bond there, you know, and a real, real genuine friendship, um, you know. And it might not be, we're out to, we don't live locally, so we're not out to the pub every week, you know, but it just feels like a real friendship. And that's what I've known slightly for two years yeah. and there's just so so many people like that and you can see so many little relationships and that forming that way um, and I guess here's all barbecue um, food food uh, and I want to someone spouts food is love a lot and again it's it's, it's, it's cliche but it, it's true you know dining together forms a bond barbecue is a very casual uh, non-pretentious um, dining experience well, don't get me started on the organic grass-fed brigade because I'm going to be pushing it a little bit, <laughs> a little bit down the potential street. But you know, it, it, it's an informal, really communal and social form of eating, and I think it just lends itself to um, building those social um, relationships. And and you can see it. And I, I'm a people watcher. I, I, I love watching it, uh, and I love I love how accepting people are to people who are different. The sort of just naturally, and, and it's no one gives a crap. No one gives a crap that I walk around in makeup and wear a dress. You know, it doesn't matter to them. And in fact, actually, some of the teams they keep an eye on me in case anyone gives me any grief. And then they're after them. I can look after myself. But they're after diving in. You know, getting, getting rid of anyone who gives me any jet. Little Christine took two blokes out at Walthamstow. Two six foot blokes. Bang bang! Two kicks in the nuts. I've never seen I've never seen two big blokes go down so quickly in my life. Just don't you mess don't you mess with Priscilla. I'm stood there going, you know what? I'm glad they I'm glad mine are tucked away because if I say the wrong thing to her, <laughs> she'll have me. No, it's it is awesome to see. absolutely fantastic. Glad you uh brought the points up because it, it has been a that's probably one of the highlights of the weekend for me was actually getting to meet a lot of people 
and actually spend some time and uh, and yeah, just like you said, it's just putting a voice to them and, and just like you said, humanising them a bit because yeah, you never like over the internet, like you talk to all these people all the time, but and you do build up these bonds and think you're, you're friends with them, but it actually getting to meet them over the weekend and stuff was was really great. Great. I mean, we've probably gone off on a tangent from what you wanted to talk about in this podcast. I guess you probably wanted to be a bit more on me. And how did you cover this? What did you do with that kind of thing? That'd be nice. Can you tell us how to, to win? <laughs> Let's tell us how to win. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you 95% of yeah, what I do, thanks. which is what I've always told. I've always told everyone. And this is how it works. We've been, I mean, oh, I've been competing since 2009. You know, and I, I mean, I was rubbish at first. Absolutely rubbish. Um, you know, my first chicken um, turn-in, uh, it, was, it was lovely, actually. It was Persian saffron and yogurt chicken. Um, nice. Jackie described it. It, was, it tasted lovely. It's not barbecue, and it looks like it's anemic. I think it was my comment card. Uh, comment card. <laughs> so, <laughs> that you know, I mean, we are a bit formulaic with competition barbecue, you know. Um, but we've always had a thing. We went out. We went out to the American Royal, and it was um, Toby. Um, there's a guy called Eddie who used to have a team called um, Oh by the Bullet, who doesn't compete anymore. Um, Jackie Way, um, myself, uh, and another guy who uh, doesn't compete anymore. Um, uh, we went out as a group, and we we did the American Royal, and we we learned so much. It was just literally an eye opener. Uh, I mean, we came back and it was like, haha, we know what our money muscle is. Yeah. You know, nobody, <laughs> nobody knew that at that time. Nobody was turning in uh, money muscles. Uh, and basically, almost naturally, we did what the American teams, the, the more sharing that the American teams do. We tell them 90, tell anyone 90 to 95%. Uh, there are some guys who are more private um, in both the US and the UK. Um, but I quite happily share almost everything. And what you'll find that 90% that I do is the same as Toby does, it's the same as Ed does, uh, Charlie, Alan, um, Alex from McSlims, all them guys. And then it's just this 5 to 10% or something that we do differently. And obviously, you know, um, you spend a lot of money um, and a lot of time working this out. My approach has always been, I've done it by experimentation uh, and tried things myself. Other guys have gone out and done like really good classes in the US. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with either approach. You know, it's, it's whatever, whatever floats your boat and keeps you engaged and enjoying it. And some of the guys like to go out and learn from the best. Um, some, some guys like to sit at home and get it wrong a million times. And then when they get it right, feel that, feel that they've um, got a sense of achievement from it. Um, but, you know, when you, you invest either time or money or both, uh, and you've got a competitive streak because you're not going to compete unless you're competitive. You keep you keep those those little bits to yourself, or you teach them in classes, which is is what I think pretty much everyone's everyone's doing. Now. The teams have been successful. I've uh, got several GCs to their name uh, and have done well in Europe or the States. I think everyone has done classes. I think uh, Bulldogs have done classes. A bunch of swines have done a couple. Uh, yeah, um, Miss Piggy's. Uh, um, someone said to me they'd been on uh, one of their classes. They did a class uh, with Pro Q, didn't they? Um, yeah, they did, a while they did ago. Did a couple now, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously, I did. I did a class last year. Then we did the Fifty Shades of Q this year, which was a 
uh, a bit different um, in that we sort of got uh, three of us together. A collaboration. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a collaboration there because, I mean, we give those, say, Alan would do the ribs. Guys would come and say to me, what, what do you do for your ribs? What do you do that's a bit different? And I'll tell them, they, they paid the cash, it's full, full disclosure. I say, well, I do this, my timing's a little bit different that way. But I use, I use a different cooker. So it, there's, there's differences that. I don't, doesn't matter what cooker I own. I mean, I own a, I own a five grand beautiful big purple spice wine. I would never cook my ribs for competition on it. There's only one cooker I use for my ribs for competition because I just got it nailed with that. It's my, my old 47 WSM, battered as hell. Um, I have a particular way I set it up and I set the grills up differently um, and it just works for me. And but does now, the trick, first place. Yeah, I mean, the ribs, the ribs yesterday were banging, absolutely. I was um, I was grinning ear to ear. I went I went to slice him and I was, I was a touch delicate, shall we say? Uh, and the, there's a few people watching me and they're all laughing at me because I'm shaking as I'm bringing the knife up to the ribs. And I'm thinking if I push these slightly over here at all, because uh, I use a serrated knife for slicing the ribs. If you're not smooth and careful, they will um, they'll start to fray at yeah. the edges, fray on the bark. And literally four acts, and the knife just—it it was just gliding through. And then I stood there in this slightly delicate state, and Chantelle's looking at me, and she's going, "What's wrong?" And I've got four acts to choose from. I could put any one of them in. I can't cope with having that decision at this point <laughs> in my life. Just too good. I'm just too good. <laughs> well, the thing with the thing with grill stock is though, because you're doing eight, and you can't get. I'm um. So I'm uh, I'm a very keen advocate in KCBS of only putting six bones in. I know a lot of people put an extra bone in, but I put six in a standard size box from the same rack. As a lot of people will say, you don't often get um, six out of a rack. Um, if you can cook ribs well and you can you can trim them well as well, there's a few little tricks to trimming uh, trimming them that I think some people don't realise. I do it wrong because I spent years doing it wrong as well. But if you've got a process down, I can pretty much always get six bones from a rack. But with grill stock, because I have to do four and four to fit them in the box, I'm definitely not going to get eight good bones or eight competition grade bones from a rack. So I know I'm going to go from two. It kind of makes it easier when you've got four to pick from because but you're still picking 50% of what yeah. you've got. Yeah. Um, and I had some, I had some beauties. They're only, um, only yellow box bucker ribs. And that's why I always use the ribs. Um, they've been a bit rubbish this year, to be honest, compared to how they've been in the past. So I've got quite a few racks in the freezer. Normally I find I'll get three racks that are competition worthy, um, out of the box. This year it's two, sometimes one. It does mean that, um, some of my friends are going to get fed a lot of ribs at some point. <laughs> Perfectly good to eat, but I look at them and go, I'm, I'm not going to be happy with that. Can you tell I, just I by do. looking at them when they're frozen in the box that, that they're not right? Um, well, once I've got them out of the box, and um, I can have a look at them. Um, uh, still frozen, I, I can tell. Um, I can certainly tell what's going to be a definite, and then there's certain ones that I'll go, you know, 50-50, I'm not going to know 100% until I've trimmed it. 
Um, but I can I can usually pick four. I can usually tell actually. It depends on any racks you've got in the box as well. It's quite often one of those yellow box ones. Um, it always used to be uh, four or four and a half racks because they're a fixed weight. Um, this year we've been getting a lot of boxes with five racks in. So you get. Yeah, I was going to say last box I had five in it. I think. Yes, yeah, so they're, they're a bit skinnier. You know what? You can still turn in um, an awesome uh, rack that work. The judges do like them a bit meatier, uh, and they eat with their eyes. You know, they see they see something chunky. Um, and I've always thought there's, there's sort of two ways when with the appearance because it's not a heavy it's not a heavy scoring um, uh, criteria. But people eat with their eyes, so I've always thought if it looks awesome, that's a really good start. But if it looks awesome and it tastes a bit mediocre, maybe you're going to get the inverse of a halo effect there. You know, it just drags you down a bit. And if it looks awful, but then it blows your mind, then it's going to be like, wow, um, is that going to then bump your texture and tenderness and your taste scores up? Yeah. But again, they're, they're they're a difficult one as well. You've got to understand judges are human. And people, if your food tastes good, you'll get a halo effect on your texture and tenderness. Just human nature when people are judging it. Because mm. even if it's a little bit dry, it's, it's how it makes them feel when it's in their mouth. So if you've got it a little bit, say a brisket, it's a little bit dry. It takes a little bit more chewing. As long as it's not like a camel's ass in the sand. If it tastes good while they're chewing it, that's likely to distract them from the fact that our oh, texture's not quite not quite on it. But even if it's perfect, silky, if it, if it tastes terrible and they're not enjoying chewing it, it's going to be difficult for them to, to separate that out. Hmm. So can you can you go through our do your ninety percent, ninety five percent of how you won the rib challenge? Okay, yeah, I'll I'll sort of go what I did with the ribs. So um, I uh, I. Get my ribs in advance, um, usually a few weeks in advance. I uh, semi-defrost them in the uh, in the fridge. I have, my, I have a separate fridge for meat in the garage that I run very, very cold. Um, so I get them to the point where I can just work with them with a knife and I send Louis trim them. Um, I get them nice and even on top and there's a few little tricks that are in the top 5% when I'm doing the trim um, that I'm not going to share. <laughs> I get I get the, I get the membrane off any trim of the uh, any trimming of the skirt on the back, so I've got a nice nice tidy rib. I then vacuum uh, and back into the freezer um, so that they're nice and solid. Uh, when they come to the competition, they come straight out of the freezer, so I don't defrost them first. I let basically use them as ice blocks in my cool box, um, and they're in there a day or two early, so I know they'll be defrosted but still nice and cold uh, when I um, when I get to the point of uh, working with them. So the night before, so we take the grill stock timings, because um, I've not got my timing list in front of me um, for regular competition, and I'm certainly not awake enough in my memory to work for me, but I can remember the weekend just about. Um, at 11.30, after two bottles of champagne, I injected my ribs. Um, so I use a, I, I use a, a butcher's-based injection, um, don't follow the manufacturer's instructions and I add some other ingredients into it. Um, it's the same injection I use for my pork butt. Uh, and I smash two mils. Uh, I'll take the rack with uh, one edge facing me and I'll put two mils of injection between every bone. I'll then spin it and I'll put two mils of injection um, from the other end in. Uh, and I'm trying to get 
my needles are an inch and three quarters long, so I'm getting pretty much right the way down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I then use light, uh, Billington's light muscovado sugar, smother the ribs in that, and I wrap them tightly in cling film, and then I'll leave them to about two and a half, between two and two and a half hours before I'm going to cook them. So they're back in the cooler. Two, two to two and a half hours before I'm going to cook them, and that'll literally depend on whether I need an extra half hour of sleep, typically. Because uh, <laughs> if you're really tired, it's better. I'd rather have a little bit less rub time um, and get that extra 30 minutes in the sack because it'll it'll just help you function later. Um, but on Sunday, because uh, it was a late start for us, they were done two and a half hours before. Uh, they were rubbed um, this weekend with a blend of... Um, the taste of lesser rubs, obviously, is Priscilla. That's what I'm using. Um, I was using the, the pink and the gold blended together, layered up. Uh, so they're rubbed with that. They're left then for the two and, a half, two and a half hours. They come out of the cooler 30 minutes exactly before they're going to go onto the cooker. Uh, they go on the cooker, and I'll set my cooker up to run at 250. A little bit of hickory, a little bit of cherry, but quite light on the wood when I'm doing ribs. Um, they, I use the top rack of the WSM, and then I use the middle rack, but raised up above the top rack. So I'm keeping the, I'm keeping the distance from the um, uh, from the water bowl. Uh, ribs is the only thing I use a heat sink for, so I use a clay saucer for ribs. Rest of the time, I just use an empty foiled uh, water bowl and just treat it as a baffle. So for pork and for brisket, I just want to I want to even out the radiant heat a little bit to stop any burning um, of the bones at the back. Um, so the, the racks go on meat side up. Uh, they're then done for two hours forty five minutes in the smoke. They then come off. Uh, uh, they're then put foil, meat side down in the foil with a mixture of uh, a foil marinade that's my own recipe that is in the five percent. Uh, sugar and a liquid sweetener of any form, anything that's not going to burn is what you want. So I tend to use agave nectar, but you can use, you could use maple syrup if you wanted it. Juice honey, you could use, I wouldn't use golden syrup, golden syrup's got a tendency to burn. Um, so it's literally that spread on the foil, bit of sugar, meat side down, fold your foil up so that the liquid won't pour out before when you pour it on, pour your, um, a, half a cup of foil marinade into it, wrap it tightly, back in the smoker, and then back in the smoker for an hour and a half before I do a bend test on them. Um, I've wrapped them really tight and neatly so that I can bend test them without opening the foil, because uh, the second you open the foil and let the steam out, you're, um, you, you're slowing the whole cook down. Um, if they feel good on the bend test, then I'll open them, I'll do a proper bend test then uh, actually touching the meat. I use a really fine skewer just to, uh, the very centre bone, I'll just have a little prick in to see if it, it feels buttery and nice. Uh, and if they're done at that point, um, I will rest them there. If not, if, if they've not um, passed the bend test when I've unwrapped them, before I've unwrapped them, I'll give them another 25 minutes. Uh, and then they'll, they'll definitely be done after 25 minutes. Um, I've never had one that I've done after another 25. Uh, and I try to I try to rest them, uh, relax them for a good 20 minutes minimum. What I'm trying to do with mine is I'm trying to push them right to the point of being overcooked so that they are fall off the bone. But you've got the whole thing going on. And when, you, when you're foiling them, 
proteins in the meat all tighten up and then they relax again. That's what turn, that's what can turn it into mush if you overcooked it. But actually, when they relax, it'll then hold onto the bone, so you can cook it a little bit further. And by leaving it 20 minutes, a, a decent rest time before you slice it, it'll be soft as hell, but it'll still stick to the bone. Uh, and then yeah, when just before I'm about to do them, I uh, turn them in. I bring them out probably 10 minutes before. I'll apply the sauce uh, and I'll just whack them onto the grill just for a few minutes. A very, very short sauce setting time for me because what I don't want to do is I, uh, when you set your glaze, it tends to mattify it. I want mine to be really glistening and shiny when they, they go in. Uh, and the latent heat that's in the ribs will just help to set the underside of the glaze. So it's still it's still soft and liquid on top, but it's it's holding onto the meat. Uh, and there's one other little thing that gets done just before I sauce them. But again, that's in the five percent, so I'm not going to share that. <laughs> it's just a just a little flavour boost. But that's mm-hmm. that's how I do my ribs. That's how I've been doing them for about some epic tips there. Now. With a, a little tweak here and there, but um, and I've got I mean, well, the year before last, um, I'm not sure I was ever beaten in ribs five contests in a year. Definitely won chicken in every contest I did that year. Um, and then oh, I think I won the ribs in every one. Or maybe maybe one I, one I got beaten on. Um, but I'm consistently... It's the one gash, Ed, bunch of swines, uh, always wants to check what I've cooked. You know, and that's that's the mark for me that um, I'm a good rib cook because he's got all four categories. It's, always, it's the ribs he's always interested in of mine because... Yeah. That's the one he knows. He knows I'm going to have done a good job with. Well, yesterday, I'm no, I'm no barbecue judge by any means, but yesterday, walking around, in my opinion, the ribs was the toughest category. I, everyone's I tried were were really good. So I think you really pulled the bag out there and, and uh, won a really tough category. So so congratulations there. Thanks, When you uh, come to appreciate the compliment with sourcing those, is that just a source you've made up, or are you using one of your sources that's available to buy? Uh, it's a mixture, it's a blend of the two sources, so Gorilla Liquor and stuff. But that is literally the only source blends that the only sources that I use, and I blend them in two different ratios: uh, one for chicken and ribs, uh, one for pork and brisket. Again, you have to be one of my classes to learn the ratios. But um, <laughs> yeah, they're um, yeah, that, that's all I use. I don't even I did experiment at May and May this year with adding a couple of extra ingredients into the sauce um i like it i'll probably try it again um but i i do do things slightly different for slightly slightly different uh contests you know yeah a british barbecue society contest the judging's um a little bit different although we now have some common judges um so uh, so andy williams for instance judged in may and in may um typically uh, the judges are the judges have been trained in a way for those, you know. Um, Toby goes to a lot of effort to make sure that we don't get um, really naive green judges. Grill stock don't have that problem because the, I don't know we changed it this weekend. Because sadly, um, Jackie wasn't well and John's not well. Uh, Texas Joe um, opening his restaurant. I mean, God, for God's sake, he needs to get priorities right. Priorities <laughs> right, doesn't he? Um, so I know we had we had a few different faces, but you tend to have a sort of like fairly fixed group there 
So they're, they're barbecue people. Hargate's been doing this for the donkey's years a lot longer than I have. He knows a lot, a lot about barbecue. To me, John Hargate, maybe not competition-wise, although he was very successful in competition, um, in terms of actual being a, an encyclopedia of barbecue and food, there is no one better than Hargate. He's one of the people I respect yep. absolutely the most in the UK barbecue scene. And Jesus, his life story is incredible. He's the hands down, he is the most interesting human being I know. Um, and I, I love John for this. Um, and then you got Jackie, she's been doing it a long time. She's obviously, she was taught by, um, by Ray and by uh, Eddie Morin, you know. Yep. Uh, I mean, Ed, Eddie taught her competition cooking. Um, so, I mean, Eddie's, Eddie's a legend. Um, you know, he's, he, he doesn't compete as much now. Um, but in his in his day when he was competing a lot, he was one of the best in the US. So, so she's had a good history of competition barbecue there. And so she should know uh, she should know some stuff. You're not the grill stunt guys haven't needed to train the because you've got a small bank of judges have been able to pick. Um, and they consistently, you know, there's the same people come back every year. Andy Williams has been judging um, for years at Grillstock since the first one. He goes out and tours around Europe doing a lot, so he's getting a lot of exposure to it. So you've got one of the most experienced judges in, in Europe um, when other people do it. So we've got the big meet coming up later in the year, for example. Um, there'll be some some of the judges that have been trained for IBQN events will be there, and that looks great. I've no doubt that there'll be some uh, newer judges, but those judges will have been, they'll have been fed good barbecue and how they explain to them. And guys like, um, like Ed Torrey, who's been judging for the British Barbecue Society for years, he's a, well, he's a teacher by profession. He's very good at helping bring the judges along and getting the points across to them. Um, I've never done one of the judging classes, but I've, uh, I've done food for one of the judging classes before. Because there's a way that, as well, um, it's been done to make sure that they're not conditioned to one person's food, for example. So Toby cooks food, the judging class, he doesn't want them to just eat his food and go, oh, well, that's that's what barbecue should be like. That's the flavour profile. It's got to keep it so, fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I cook for it. Other guys have done it as well, you know. Here's a range of flavour profiles. So they're actually, they're, they're getting a spread of that. But the textures are all aiming to be the same. Um because that's the thing that's consistent, you know. The texture and tenderness of what's right is a very narrow spectrum. Flavor profile could be played with a lot. And um, again, it's a very subjective thing. Although you find we're all very similar because we all go for quite an, un- an uninteresting flavor profile, to be honest. You don't want to stand out because you don't want anything that's divisive. You're better off being, yeah, that's pretty good for all six or eight judges and three judges going, that's the best thing I've ever tasted. And three judges spitting it out and going, that's horrible. It's got cinnamon in it. I can't stand it. And I've learned that one from using cinnamon on chicken. You know, it won a competition, amazingly, like ridiculously high scores. Next one, it landed on a different table and two judges hated cinnamon. Boom, it's gone. Yep. Bottom half of the table. So, so it's uh, we are playing very, the field and, and making sure you please as many of the judges as you can whilst putting out yeah, the best quality please. you can. Yeah, so cook it right. Cook it right is the key thing. And then go with a... Um, I don't want to call it uninspiring because it puts people off. You've been doing it a long time. It kind of is. You kind of. I would never cook these flavour profiles at home because 
I'm a, I'm a little bit bored of them. You know, I, I do cook them for some other people because people will ask me for it. But I tend to, at home, I'll, I'll play around with it. I'll, I'll tweak things and just make it a bit more interesting. Put some flavour notes in there that actually get, get my juices flowing. Yeah. Um, when you're cooking for yourself, you know what you like. Cooking for your family, you know what your family likes, etc. So, so you can cook to them and your friends and, and whatever. But when you're cooking for the judges, you know there's, there's something you're looking to achieve. So you're just trying to hit that on the head rather than a, rather than equip cook to your taste buds as many people happy as you possibly can that's 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 the key and that's the message that's been uh banged through from the guys who've been um doing it a long time the guys who started the circuit up and have done the coaching and then and ray ray's been passing that message along through girls over the last seven years as well you know do it um he, he goes around spends a lot of time walking around with the teams and chatting with them um and he gives he gives out some absolute Gold, golden tips. Um, and no, he doesn't come and as if you're a student and tell you. You've got to actually listen to what he's saying. If you listen to the conversation, there's just little nuggets of information that come out. And if you listen well, I think he doesn't mind making it too easy for people. I think he wants to, um, but he's, he's sharing some great, great information. Um, and there's plenty of guys who've competed for a long time do the same. You can't help it when you're talking to someone, you know, you just, there's bits that excite you and you, you just you blab them out my little five percent I've um, I've dropped dropped bits of that to people I don't know if they've ever picked them up it's just because something's been exciting and I've gone oh I used to be terrible when we got the um, you, you don't compete so you probably won't be aware of it but a lot of the teams use a thing we call the chicken fister um, for doing the chicken skin there so a few years back we um, everyone used to scrape the chicken skins a lot of people don't scrape the chicken skins now, uh, and they will, um, they'll either chemically treat them with buttermilk or something like that, or they'll, um, use a tenderizer. Um, now I came across this tenderizer, and it looks like a big knuckle duster. And it's a microplane one. It basically wraps around your knuckle, it's just got a load of tiny razor blades on it. So, basically you just roll your fist over, rather than punching the chicken skin with a, with a jack pad. Um, but we were like, well, it was Charlie, I think, christened at the chicken fister. So, obviously, he's one of my best mates. So I went, check this out. It's brilliant. And he was like, yeah, it's great. And then the next thing I know, it wasn't him, it was me. The next thing I know, someone's been saying, how did you get your chicken skin to be so, um, so bite through? And I've gone, yeah, I'll show you. It's a secret. Look at me, chicken fister. <laughs> and then, the next, thing I, then the, the next thing I told another team, and you go to a contest, and Andre from Bribery and Corruption's got one, and Everyone else has got one, and I'm going, who's told them all? And then everyone's looking at me, you told us. Like, <laughs> crap, yes. I was, I was, I was terrible at keeping secrets. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's good, because um, people have got a lot better. Even the teams that... I feel sorry for some of the teams now that aren't necessarily um, getting the results, um, getting the calls as much. Because actually their food's still really good. It's just the standards gone up everywhere. Some of the guys, um, and I've tasted um, some of the teams who got no calls yesterday, for example. I've tasted some of the food, and five years ago, it, it would have been getting RGCs. GCs, it's just, it's yeah. just the standards. Got yeah. It's much tougher. Much tougher for everyone now. Yeah, um, I was tasting some, again, yeah, I, I did the same yesterday, tasted, uh, and the day before, tasted some of the food that uh, didn't get called, and, and still, I mean, I have to commend them all, because it was all great barbecue, so, so well done to everyone. Literally yeah, well I, done I, to I every single person. 
tasted the old thing that was a bit ropey yesterday. But when I tasted something that was ropey with a, with a team, I told them. Because um, I'll, I'll be totally honest with them, you know. There's no, there's no point in me going, yeah, no, it's not. If I think it's crap, I'll tell them, it ain't crap. Well, I won't be rude about it, um, unless they're an asshole or it's deacon. If it's deacon, I'll tell him it's crap, even if it's good. You know, just because he's a bad egg. Hashtag bad egg. Um, but yeah, we do um, uh, you know, it's um, if I think someone's food not going to win, from, I'll, I'll tell them because um, I think yeah. I'd rather I'd rather hear that, you know. And the guys who've helped me um, have gone, nah, it's, it's not right. You've got your texture wrong. Your flavour profile yeah. isn't right. And sometimes it's not easy to hear. But there's very little. I tasted quite a few people's food yesterday, and there's very little that was um, that was ropey. Um, I know you say Carry on, mate. I, don't, I, was, I tasted one of Naomi May a few weeks ago, brisket. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. I've never tasted anything as bad in my life. So I told him. I told him it was bloody awful. He loved it. He loved the flavour himself. I just went, I'm sorry, mate, but you love it, I hate it. There's a good chance 50% of the judges are going to think the same as me and 50% are going to think the same as you. It's never going to win. It was a proper Marmite type flavour you know love it or, yeah. or hate it and I, I, I couldn't swallow it I had to spit it out um, but you know it's hard for someone to hear that but then you know you, you tell them in the right way and you explain to them why you say it and they generally take it alright maybe they yeah, won't and maybe they'll turn around and thank you at one point once they when they change it and, and then turn around and beat you punched yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah it's a, and that's that's what everyone does you know for each other people people are I think they share their opinions quite well on the, on the circuit, and that's, that's good. You may be hashtag bag, bad egg, but actually, uh, Spocus Pocus was was some of the best barbecue that I tried. That they, I mean, some of the best stuff I tried came out from them this weekend. It was some really good stuff actually they put out. So really pleased for them. They had a really good weekend as well. You're gonna make me compliment Deacon there. Aren't come you? on, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't have on. that kind. We don't have that kind of dynamic. Look, he, he already got his wedding food for free from me. He's had enough for me this year. So I'm, 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 really, I'm really pleased for Deacon because, you know what, he is a guy who's passionate about it and takes it serious. Maybe sometimes a little bit too seriously. Um, so that's 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 why he, he makes himself a target for us to take the mickey. Um, but it's all it's all it's done out of love, you know. Everyone everyone loves Deacon, um, and we all love Emily. Emily's like um, one of our favourite people. We all prefer her to him, you know. Um, <laughs> But he's he's worked really hard. I mean, I know there's a big bit of rivalry going on there with the, the social smokers. Obviously, the guys he was was cooking with. Um, but it's it's good natured rivalry. Yeah, those guys I mean, the good the social smokers are a real good crack. We had a real good laugh with them over the weekend as well, and enjoyed loved some of their food as well. And uh, I mean, it's like really, it's pretty much who who didn't we have a good time with, and whose food wasn't great because because a lot of it was amazing, and, and we had a really good time with a lot of. A lot of teams, so sort of social smokers, Man Meat Fire, Riviera, Doctor Evil, just to name a, a few of the others. Uh, there was uh, Smoking Dragons was another one that I actually got to Smoking Dragons. Am I? I might be wrong there. I think that's the no, name. Yeah, Smoking Dragons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who so I met over the weekend. Luck. Yeah, I had a good crack with them as well. I'd never spoken to them before, but had a real good sort of uh, crack with them and stuff. And and yeah, so it's it's awesome. I mean, but the Bullet Brothers as well. Uh, just uh, I may as well name them all because it was it was a really good weekend. Really enjoyed it. So I've got a show for last of the summer swine who were my neighbours. They were 
some of the best neighbours I've ever had. Really, really good bunch of lads. Um, really nice to my girls, um, which is always good without being pervy, which is, is good, so I don't have to go and spank them and tell them to back <laughs> off. Um, uh, gave us loads of free booze. Music was generally pretty good, apart from when Philadelphia came on it. Sunday morning I'm not really do we want something depressing when we're all hanging um, they they fed me some amazing tiffin um, well anyone who competes who knows me well will know when I compete in barbecue competitions all I eat is chocolate uh, I can't there's something I don't really eat Cadbury's dairy milk any other time I eat it occasionally but I'm not a huge fan of that for a dark chocolate when I do barbecue competitions it's all I can eat. I ate 60 Freddo bars over the weekend <laughs> and pretty much nothing else. I had one cheese toasty and a couple of chips. Uh, the rest was Freddo bars, uh, Pepsi Max and champagne. It was my diet. Um, Sounds like a good diet. Very healthy diet at all. <laughs> uh, I'm seriously back in the gym tomorrow. Um, if that's what but, it takes um, to win, then maybe that's what everyone's going to start doing. That's the five percent, guys. Champagne, Freddo's, champagne and Freddo for Freddo the frogs. No, it's just um, there's something about there's something about dairy milk. Just it, it's some kind of flavour combination with the smell of smoke. It just seems to offset it and keeps me keeps me from going stir crazy. Um, and it sugar keeps the energy going because I don't I don't get enough sleep, you know. And I'm, I'm hanging. It seems to work. Um, but yeah, they, they last the summer swine fed me this. Um, Homemade um, tiffin that uh, one of the guys, uh, I think his friend's mum had made it, and it was the most glorious thing I'd ever eaten in my life. It was possibly the richest, filthiest, sluttiest food. And still, I'm I'm almost almost having a trouser moment thinking about it now. It was <laughs> so good, and I got I got to meet the lady whose mum had made it. That was literally like I, I want to marry your mum. Don't care if she's in her seventies. I want awesome. to marry her so she can make me tiffin every day. And then I'll be twenty-four stone again within six months. Um, but yeah, those, those guys were awesome. Uh, I really hope. I really hope I'm pitched up next to them again. Wicked uh, next year. Cool. We are over the hour, so I'm going to have to jump in and say that's it for now. But it's been absolutely epic. Really, really, thank you very much for coming on because we really wanted to get the uh, the winner of the King of the Grill on, and uh, we are only the next day, and it's just the afternoon. I'm sure you've been absolutely busy all day and absolutely hanging from celebrations, so thanks a lot for coming on, bro. Uh, you're very welcome, and I hope I didn't ramble too much, because I am quite hanging. So. <laughs> no, no, it's been wicked. It's been, awesome. It's been I, awesome. I can see a follow-up episode, because I've got so many more questions I want to ask you as well, so thanks very much for coming on today. It's been amazing. That's cool. You're very welcome. I'm now going to eat some glorious carbohydrates and then go to bed. <laughs> Enjoy, bro. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. And congratulations yeah, one more time. Ah, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. As always, we're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying a first smoker or looking to upgrade or even looking to pick up some epic accessories, check them out over at Max Barbecue. And actually, over the weekend, they released 
a shed loads of more accessories. Cool stuff. Really cool stuff. So get on over and check those new bits out, guys. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the US and around the world. And you can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, gas, wood or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And they're also getting some new uh, meat church bits in uh, coming up this week on the new shipment. So uh, keep an eye on that, guys. Some injections and some other bits coming in. And Smoke with Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness. You provide the talent. So if you're looking for smoking wood chunks, dust, chips, or planks, then head on over to smokewoodshack.com. And you can find them on Twitter at smokewoodshack. And again, Jane Smokewood Shack's really devoted guy putting out some amazing uh, wood. I mean, top quality stuff, and uh, you can't beat it. None of this cheap imitation stuff, all the best quality wood. Works awesome every time. Works. That's it, exactly. He definitely provides smoky goodness, so thanks, James. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. So goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Cheers. Ciao. Bye.